This morning, if you've got your Bibles, would you go to Luke chapter 11? I want to talk about something for the next few weeks. I want to speak about prayer. And I feel like this is, this is so important to know how to pray, to know why to pray, to know, to know really that our, the Word of God says our prayers are powerful and effective. We've got to know how to pray. I, I read a story about a, a guy and his son. They had gone to lunch one day. They were out at this diner, and, and the, he was just a little boy. His son was just a little boy, and he said to him, hey, son, you know, the diner's really crowded today. Let's just have a silent prayer before we eat. And the boy said, okay, Dad. And so they both bowed their heads. The dad just bowed his head for a moment and prayed silently, and he looked up, and the son still had his head bowed. And he waited for a minute or two. Three minutes go by, four minutes. Finally, the boy looks up. The dad said, what in the world were you praying about so long? The boy said, well, how should I know it was a silent prayer? <laughs> and maybe, maybe you've been in prayer meetings like that. I don't know. Maybe you've prayed like that. I think I've been guilty of that sometimes. You know, you come into a prayer meeting and you're tired and you bow your head for a while. I don't know what I prayed about, but it was good. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that go about praying like that. Now, there's different, there's different types of prayer. There's different reasons you might be praying. You know, sometimes there's just a prayer of fellowshipping with God. Isn't that good? You can just pray and just talk to him. And that's good. But sometimes, see, listen, when he's saying your prayers are powerful and effective, it's because you're praying about something. And some people, I don't know if we ever make the transition from chatting. Some people have a gift for chatting, don't they? A gift of gab. And they, they gab to God, but they never get down to praying for something, praying specifically for a targeted need. And I want to talk about this a little bit this morning. If you go to Luke chapter 11, I mean, the Word of God says a lot about prayer, doesn't it? Pray without ceasing. How, how do you do that? Pray. You're living an attitude of prayer. But he says, look at what the disciples said to Jesus in Luke chapter 11. Verse 1, he was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Because they were watching him, and they said, we're not, we're not praying like he's praying. When he prays, stuff happens. Things are, things are happening. Demons are leaving. People are getting healed. We want to pray like you pray. So, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus said to him, whenever you pray, and he goes into what we call the Lord's Prayer. He says, Say, pray like this, Father. Your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, and it says in the King, I have the King James up there, which I prefer in this particular verse. He says, he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in heaven, so in earth. And let's just stop there for a minute. So he says, here's how you need to pray. Lord, your will be done in heaven like it's done on earth. Let me ask a question. Is God's will always done in heaven? Okay. What's heaven look like? Is there sickness in heaven? Is there COVID in heaven? Is there, is there a pandemic? Does everybody wear a mask in heaven? There's no... Heaven, heaven is God's perfect manifestation of his will. If you want to know what God's will is, take a look at heaven. Because if it was God's will for, for you to be sick come on, then you'd be sick in heaven. If it was God's will for you to be suffering and in pain and in torment, then you'd have that in heaven, but that's not his will. How do I know what his will is? Look at, take a look at heaven. So what does Jesus pray? Lord, your will be done on this earth 
like it's done in heaven. So that's, that leads me to ask another question. Is God's will always done on earth? Why not? Because we get in the way, right? Because man has a will. Now, you ask some people, and they'll say, well, yeah, God, God, always, God always gets his way. You know, hey, there's a pandemic, but that's okay. God's still in control. What, is that, what does that mean? God's controlling this pandemic? He's causing all this nonsense? No, he doesn't do that. God's will, what that means is God's will is not always done on earth. But how did Jesus say to pray? Lord, your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. So I want to, I want to think about this for a minute. I want, I want to talk to you about this because if God's in control, like so many people think he is, because see, you ask some people, they'll say, no, 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 God's, God's in control. And ultimately, yes, God's in control of this earth because one day he's going to come down and, and take over. Okay. It still belongs to him, but for right now, he's given this earth to man. And I want to show you this. I know, I know so many of you have, are familiar with this, but I want to just start from ground zero for a little bit, okay? And let's build on this. Go to Genesis chapter 1 for a second. And in Genesis 1, you see what God does with the earth, right? He creates the earth. He creates everything in the earth. He makes man. And what does it say in verse 27? God created man how? In his image, he put a representation of himself in the earth. Man was created to be God's image, God's representation on this earth. And he said he blessed them. And he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and do what? Subdue it. And then do what? Rule. Rule over the earth. Rule over everything in the earth. So did God say, hey, Adam, I'm putting you in the earth so I can be in charge. No, he put Adam in charge of the earth. Now, Adam was supposed to be connected to God. God came down in fellowship with Adam every single day in the garden because that way he could, he could express his will to Adam for Adam to carry out on the earth. So man was put in charge of the earth, okay? So listen, when God sets something up, he put rules in place. And when we say God can do anything he wants to, in essence, yes, he can. He's powerful enough to do anything he wants to do, but he never violates his own rules. He does not violate the law. The devil does that. The devil comes in and, and, and stirs things up and does whatever he wants to do, but God does not violate his rules. So who did he put in charge of the earth? Man, now man fell. But it did not change who's in charge. God did not put himself in charge of the earth. It was given to mankind to rule. Okay, are you still with me? Okay. So go real quick. I didn't give you this scripture, but in Mark, Mark chapter 12, there's a story about a vineyard. And it says, it kind of explains what God did with the earth. In Mark chapter 12, it says a man planted a vineyard. He put a fence around it. He dug out a pit. He put a wine press. He built a watchtower. And then he leased it to tenant farmers. So he made this vineyard. He built it the way he wanted it, and then he leased it out. And every so often, he, was sent, he sent representatives to bring some of the product of the vineyard. Go get the wine. 
because it's my vineyard. He, but he leased it out. When you lease something out, it means you, it doesn't necessarily belong to you. You're not in charge of it. If I lease out a car, that car is mine. I can drive it wherever I want to within the terms of the lease. I can do anything I want to with that car, correct? The, the owner of the dealership has no right to come to me and say, give me a ride to Raleigh. No, you want to ride to Raleigh, go get your own. This car belongs to me until the lease runs out. But if I agree to it in the terms of the lease, every year I got to give the owner a ride to Raleigh. I'm obligated under that lease. Do you understand what I'm saying? For God to, to involve himself in the earth, what Jesus is saying in this parable, he leased the earth to mankind. Man has a lease, man has ownership of the world until the lease runs out. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. I'm teaching you about prayer. It doesn't seem like it. I'm teaching you about prayer. I'll get there. Because I believe in this season, prayer is what is going to take you to the top. God wants you on top. He doesn't want you on the bottom. God doesn't want anything ruling over you. He doesn't want a pandemic ruling over you. He wants you ruling on top of everything else. Prayer is what's going to take you there. So God gave man a lease on the earth. That, that earth belongs to man. So for God to do something in the earth, you know what he has to have? He has to have a man. That's why he sent his son Jesus to do some things on the earth. He sent Jesus to destroy the works of the devil. And in fact, you, you read this scripture. I gave you Ezekiel 22. Can you throw that up there? Ezekiel 22, verse 30. It talks about prayer. And God said, I searched for a man among them who would repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land so I might not destroy it, but I found none. You understand, God want, God's will, in order for God's will to be done in this earth, he needs someone to pray, Lord, your will be done. He needs permission. Now, to some people, that sounds a little bit heretical. What do you mean God needs my permission? Because, because he gave the earth to man, he can't just come in and move things around until the lease is up without permission. Understand this. Your prayer, when you pray, you're giving God permission to move. We say this all the time. We say the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. What do we mean by that? He doesn't just come in and start doing things in your house. He doesn't just come into your life and start just doing all, wrecking everything up without permission. If you say, Holy Spirit, come in, you have your way in me, you come in and move, then he's got permission. But he doesn't come in without permission, the devil does. The devil will come into somebody's life. You look at somebody, you talk about demon possession and things like that, you look at what happens when a demon comes in and takes over, he'll wreck that person with no permission at all. He'll just walk all over him. God does not walk all over you. God needs your permission to do anything in your life. Do you agree with that? He needs permission to move in this world. So sometimes we get upset. Why are things happening? Why is all this? Why is this going? You need to get praying. You need to pray like Jesus taught you to pray. Lord, your will be done on this earth like it is in heaven. Lord, your will, oh, my job, I can't stand my boss. I can't stand this. I can't stand, stop complaining. Get to praying. Lord, in the name of Jesus, your will be done in my workplace your will be done in my family. Your will be done in my body, just like it is in heaven. You better get to praying. Stop complaining. 
You can, you can tweet that. Stop complaining and start praying. Do people still tweet? I don't know. I don't. Um, so here we go. We're going to talk about prayer a little bit because we, I think a lot of people just don't get the, the impact, the power of their prayer. So they go to prayer meetings and they sit like that little boy praying silently and they don't ever really understand. I need to be praying about, I need to have, be, have a targeted prayer praying for something so that God can intervene in my life, in my situation. There was a guy, his name was Reese Howells, uh, had a fantastic testimony. I read his biography a couple of years ago. And this, this guy, he, was, he started a, a prayer school in, I think it was the 1930s, 1940s, something like that. And, and he was teaching students, Bible students, how to pray. And they were just interceding. In fact, he didn't, do, he didn't get anything for this school without prayer. He, they needed a building, so he prayed. And the Lord gave him, his, he was in England, he gave him some kind of old mansion house for basically nothing that he could use for his school. They needed anything, any supplies. He just prayed it in, and God gave it to him. And it was during World War II, the Lord started to stir in his heart to pray about the war and to begin to intercede. And he said, he said this, he said the Lord began to impress on his heart that Hitler was Satan's agent for preventing the gospel going to every creature. You can see it now looking backwards, but maybe at that time he, he, the Lord just impressed him on him. And he said the world became our parish and we were led to be responsible to intercede for countries and nations. And it was during this time they began to pray, the Lord gave a a burden on his heart and began to pray for the soldiers of this one particular um, season they were in. It was in, I don't remember the year, it was in May sometime, and they were just praying and praying. They felt like something big was happening. They didn't know, a lot of times you didn't get the news like we do now, where it's just they show you what's happening real time. They, were, they knew something was happening, but they didn't know what it was, but they only knew by the Holy Spirit. And they began to intercede, and they began to pray and pray and pray until finally... They said it was May, I think it was May 28th. He says, he says, we can stop praying now. I feel sure something's happened. And it was in that time period that they, as they were praying that the Battle of Dunkirk was happening. I think they made a movie about that recently, didn't they? With the miracle of Dunkirk. And they, they were transporting all of the soldiers out of France at that particular moment. And it would just so happen as they prayed, the seas began to calm down and the enemy began to retreat and they were able to evacuate all of those soldiers. When it looked like they were going to lose the war, God shifted the tides. And Churchill said this about it. He gave his address to the nation and he said, we're so thankful that God had this company of hidden intercessors whose lives were on the altar day after day as they stood in the gap for the deliverance of Britain. And I want to tell you, your prayers are powerful and effective. Your prayers are meant to do something in this earth, amen. It's meant to do something in your lives. It's meant to do something in your families. And sometimes all we do is we look at the situation and we start complaining, God, why'd you let this happen? And I think a lot of people have that question, why did God let this happen? Well, God didn't have a way to move unless you ask him. Jesus said it this way, you have not because you ask not. Well, we think, well, if God wants to do it, he'll just do it, right? A lot of people say that. Well, God wants to do it. He'll just do it. Not without your permission, he won't. That sounds crazy, but no, he needs your permission. He wants, he craves it. He wants to move in your life just like he didn't want to destroy the people back then in Ezekiel. He said, I was looking for somebody to intercede. He, listen, judgment 
God had to bring judgment on those people because of what was going on. But he said, I was looking for somebody to intercede. I couldn't find anybody. Listen, God's looking for people to begin to call out to him for situations, for problems, for things going on in this world, for things going on in your lives and begin to ask him and believe he's gonna do something. So I wanna talk to you over the next few weeks about your prayer and what your prayer does and how to pray because I think a lot of people don't know. Look at James chapter five for a minute. Because see, God's gonna, God's gonna use your prayer this year to take you to the top. Amen. Sickness is not gonna rule over you. Disease is not gonna rule over you. Depression is not gonna rule over you. Fear is not gonna rule over you. The enemy is not gonna rule over you. You're going to begin to rule because you're praying and interceding on behalf of what's going on. Come on, James chapter five. Start at verse 13 here. He says, is anybody among you suffering? We could ask it today. Anybody suffering? Anybody going through something? Anybody dealing with something that's just like, it, it, you know, some people say, it just feels like the devil's been after me. Is anybody going through something? He tells you what to do. What does he say? Pray. Why should I pray if I'm suffering? See, a lot of people say, well, if you're suffering, it means God's trying to teach you something. God's trying to, God's trying to build something, some kind of character trait in you or something. He says, if you're suffering, you should pray. Why should I pray? Because your prayers are powerful and effective. He's gonna show you that in a minute. Your prayers are meant to change things. If you're going through something in your life and it's suffering, you're not supposed to be going through that. So he says, pray about it. God will deliver you. Amen. So if you're suffering, pray. Are you cheerful? Sing some, do what Pastor Kim said. Get to singing. Get to rejo- Even if you're going through something, get to singing because that's your victory. And he says this, is anybody sick? Okay, anybody sick? So he's telling us what to do. If you're sick, he says, call for the elders. They should pray. Get to praying. And he says, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick first person. He'll restore him to health. If he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. So he says, confess your sins one to another. Pray one another that you can be healed. And then he gets into this about the, the urgent request of a righteous person is powerful in, a, in its effect. And in the King James, it says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. What's all that mean? It means your prayers are meant to do something. Your prayers are meant to do something. He mentions this. He says the prayer of faith will raise the sick person up in verse 15. The prayer of faith will save the sick person. I want to talk about this just for a couple minutes here. The prayer of faith. And I think there's there's a lot of prayers that are being prayed that aren't prayers of faith. They're prayers of fear. You know, you can pray in faith or you can pray out of fear. Oh, Lord, I'm just so afraid I'm going to get this thing. I'm afraid I'm going to be out of work. I'm afraid I'm this. I'm afraid of that. Well, you're not praying in faith. And I think that's the problem with a lot of people. When they pray, they're really just complaining about some of the stuff they're going through. They're, they're, compla- they're, they're complaining about their fears. They're, it's okay to talk to God and say, God, I'm really, you know, you know how I feel right now. And then get to your faith. 
Because faith is what's going to move and change things. You can't pray out of fear and expect anything to happen. You with me? I think that this prayer of faith is one of the most important tools the church has. God's given you something to change. That's incredible, to change situations. A guy changed the course of a war because God put in his heart to begin to pray and intercede. How powerful are your prayers? Wow. I mean, if you, if you begin to pray, you can, you can change governments. You can turn over elections. We're having a prayer meeting next week. I'm serious now. We're having a prayer meeting from the 10th to the 13th. The church is going to be open every day from 6 a.m. until 8 p.m. You're welcome to come pray anytime you want to. But listen, your prayers are powerful and effect. They do something. And they're meant to do something. God wouldn't tell you, pray, and all through this word, pray. Jesus teaches how to pray. Pray, his will be. He wouldn't tell you all that if it was pointless. But a lot of people act like their prayers are pointless. Listen, did you know every, every Sunday morning we come in here at 945 and we just begin to pray for this service because we believe prayer is what changes things. Prayer is what does things in the spirit realm. When we pray, I believe things happen. You can't always see it because it's happening in the spirit. When if you read the book of Daniel, he prayed because he had a dream and he said, Lord, I want the interpretation. What's all this mean? And he began to pray. And the moment he prayed, God dispatched angels to bring him the answer. But he kept praying, and he kept persevering, and he had to fast, and he was doing all this, praying and praying for 21 days, I believe it was, right? And then the angel came to him. He says, I, I came the, the moment you prayed, I came. But there was a war in the heavenlies, and it kept me from bringing the answer to you. But see, a lot of people would have quit praying day two. They would have quit praying day three. Day four, but you pray and you believe when you pray, things begin to happen because that's what prayer does. So he says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Your prayer is not just a Hail Mary, right? You see that in football. The teams lose them and they throw up the Hail Mary. Let's just pray something happens. You know, a guy said once to his wife, he said, we, we're in a bad place. Now we better pray. And she said, oh, Lord, has it come to that? That's all we can do is pray. No, that's not. The first thing you should do is pray because your prayers are powerful and effective. Your prayers change things. I looked this up once because I, I didn't, I, I, I want to understand things better, right? So he says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails. And I always thought, what's, what's an effectual, fervent prayer? I mean, it sounds like you're really, you're really, wrestling with something, right? It's effectual. It's fervent. What's fervent? So I looked these words up. The word fervent means active or action. And so I thought, well, what's, what's that mean? Some people think, well, that means I got to jump up and down when I pray, or I got to shout when I pray. God will hear me if I shout. He's not talking about the action as you pray, but the action in your prayer. So here's an example. In the name of Jesus, sickness go. That's an action. See, it's giving something. It's giving the Holy Spirit something to do. It's giving angels instructions. It's giving out orders for things to happen. So if I just say, oh, Lord, you know, it's flu season, 
and I'm just scared. I hope I don't get the flu and uh, Hail Mary and praise the Lord. Amen. I didn't, I didn't really say anything. I didn't ask the Lord to do anything. I didn't, I didn't give instructions. So in the name of Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm not going to get sick. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And I believe I have what I pray for. So when you pray, it's the effectual fervent prayer means you're giving action to your prayer. And it does something. The effectual fervent prayer, what does he say? It's powerful. See, I think a lot of times we don't understand the power of our prayer. We don't understand the power that's behind. You have all of heaven at your disposal. You have angels at your disposal. You've got the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you, the third person of the Trinity living inside you. When you speak, listen, if Jesus were on earth and speaking something, do you believe he would have it? Okay? You have the Holy Spirit of God in you. When you speak, you should believe it's just like Jesus speaking because the Holy Spirit is speaking. He wants to speak through you. Are you with me this morning? I'm not saying you're God. I'm saying you got God in you. So when you speak, things should happen. You know, and then a lot of people get hung up on, well, am I, am I praying according to his will? How do I know his will? You get into the word. Get into the word of God. It's, his will is not a mystery because some people say, well, you know, the Lord just moves in mysterious ways. That's, that is not in your Bible. It's only mysterious if you're on the outside. If you're on the inside, you know exactly what he's up to. You know his will. In fact, it said Moses knew his ways. Moses knew what God was up to. Why? Because he spent time with him. Because he, he heard from him. So God would reveal his ways. He wants you to know his will. So if I know his will, somebody said faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins you can write that down. Faith begins where the will of God is known. When I know his will, I know how to pray. You know? So is his will healing? Yeah. It's in, his, it's in the word. Is his will for me to be broke and out of work and homeless and all this? Kind? No, it's not. That's, I, I know his, his word is he's going to provide for all of my needs according to his riches. So you get in the word and you know how to pray. And you can pray according to his will. And when you pray, your prayers are powerful and effective. So he uses this example. He says, in um, Elijah, can you put that next verse up? Okay, here it is. Elijah, no, sorry, James chapter 5. He uses Elijah as the example. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, Yet he prayed earnestly it would not rain, for, and for three and a half years it didn't rain on the land. And then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. So he uses Elijah as the example of how to pray. So I want to take just a minute and look at this. If you go to 1 Kings chapter 17, here's, here's what happened. God spoke to Elijah. God spoke a word to him and said it's not going to rain for three and a half years. So he goes to the, Elijah goes to the king and he says, as the Lord lives, I stand before him. There's not going to be dew or rain. Now he even went so far as to say not even dew. That's a pretty 
powerful statement. There's not going to be dew. There's not going to be rain except for the next three years and a half, three and a half years, except by my command. That's boldness. Listen, Elijah is given as the example of how you should pray. So what's the first thing Elijah does? He hears the word of the Lord, so he knows the will of God. The next thing he does is he speaks it. He, he, we would say, confesses the word that was given to him. Your prayer has to go together with your confession. What I mean is this. If I pray, Lord, I, in the name of Jesus, I'm whole. My, I, I've got healing in my body. There's something bothering me. Lord, I've got wholeness and I'm healed in the name of Jesus. And then I go from there and I, I'm talking to somebody. Oh, man, I'm just feeling so bad. And this, this thing's just really got a hold of me. It's just, it feels like it's never going to leave. I don't know what I'm going to do. What, I, what am I doing? I'm praying one thing and I'm speaking another. How can I expect to receive from God? So my confession has to line up with the word. If Elijah had come and said, King, I'm going to start praying there's, that there's not going to be rain. I don't know what's going to happen, but I want you to know I'm, I'm praying against you. And we'll see. We'll see if you don't see rain for a while. That's not what he said. He said, there's not going to be any rain. And it doesn't tell us here in 1 Kings, but he told us in James 5, he went and prayed. He went and got to praying about it until he got his answer. And then it tells you again in 1 Kings 18, at the end of three and a half years, it says, after a long time, the word of the Lord came to him, go present yourself to Ahab because I'm going to send rain. So you know what a lot of us would have done if we had gotten that word? We would have said, okay, thank you, Lord. The Lord says he's going to send rain. We, we might go so far as to go confess it because he told us to. The Lord's going to send rain. And that's the end of it. Where's the rain? But it says, then he goes in verse 41 after all that, go, go to verse 41 for me. He says, get up and he, to Ahab, go eat and drink because there's the sound of a rainstorm. He's speaking some things that he can't hear it in the natural, but in the spirit realm, he can, he's saying, I can, hear, I can hear the Lord sending it. So he's sure about it. Go to the next verse. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, but what does Elijah do? He goes to the top of Mount Carmel and he bows down to the ground with his face between his knees. Why does he do that? He already got the word of the Lord because he needed to pray because prayer is where God gets the permission to come in and do some things. So Elijah gets to pray him and he doesn't just pray once, but listen, I want you to understand something. The first time Elijah prayed, I believe that he believed he already had the answer. God had already spoken to him. He'd already confessed it. And now he's praying about it. And sometimes we look at this and he prays seven times and we think, I guess he, the first time his prayer didn't work. Yes, it worked the first time. But he was praying for something that he wanted to see manifest at that moment. So he's praying and he's praying and he's praying because he wants to see it right now. When you pray, when I pray, I believe something happens right that moment. I don't need to see it. I believe it, but if I want to see it, I, and I'll tell you what, sometimes you just you got to keep you got to keep with your confession, you got to keep with your prayer. Don't just quit because well I prayed one time and I guess it maybe it didn't work or something. No, it worked, but you keep with it. You keep speaking it. Well, I prayed yesterday, but I still feel sick today. Well, you keep speaking it. You keep praying it. You keep believing it. Amen. Amen. 
Somebody said, it's not, it's not faith. I think Smith Wigglesworth said this. It's not faith to pray for something more than once. Well, what he means is it's not faith to pray once and then come back the next time and say, well, I guess it didn't work the first time, so I better pray a second time. That's not faith. But it is faith to keep with your confession, to keep with your prayer, to keep persevering. That's why Jesus gave that example of the persistent widow, continuing to pray, continuing to believe, continuing to stand upon the promises of God. You with me? Elijah prayed seven times because he wanted to see the manifestation that moment. He believed it happened the first time, but he was going to keep praying and keep praying and keep praying until he saw with his eyes what he knew was already happening in the spirit. Come on. He believed it was already happened, but he was going to keep praying until he saw it. That's perseverance. We got to learn how to persevere in our prayers because I think a lot of people give up too quick. They get to praying and then they, and then they think, well, I guess it didn't happen. I better, I better, I guess it just didn't work. My prayer didn't work this time. I told you before this story about Joel Hitchcock. He was in Africa and he was praying for a woman uh, who was in a wheelbarrow. They brought her to a service in the wheelbarrow because they couldn't afford a wheelchair. And they brought her and he, he, had, he had some faith and he prayed and he spoke to her, get up in the name of Jesus. They helped her get up and it looked like nothing happened. They put her back in the wheelbarrow. They took her back home in the wheelbarrow, the poor woman. And he thought, oh, I guess, no, no. you know, I don't know what he thought, but in the natural, we think, I guess nothing happened. But he said, I, he said, I called back like a few weeks later and the pastor said, that woman you prayed for, her, you know, that when she went home, she was able to wiggle her toes. She'd not been able to do that for 20 years or something. And he said the next day she was able to move her legs a little bit. And a couple days later, she was able to stand up and now she's walking. And listen, just because I didn't see it, a lot of people would pray and say, I guess it didn't happen. It must not be God's will. It must not gonna, it, whatever, my prayer didn't work and all this. And we cancel out our prayer because we speak stupid things instead of keeping with our faith. You keep with your faith. You keep with your confession. Elijah spoke that word and he believed he was gonna have whatever he said. He was under an old covenant. He was under the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, he was doing stuff that most people in the New Testament would even dream about. Whoa, come on. That's not, a, that's not offensive. That should be a challenge to us. You can pray bigger prayers. You can, you, we've been talking about faith a while back. You can, you gotta, whatever you can believe for, you can receive. But you gotta start praying bigger prayers. You gotta start understanding how big your God is. Maybe that's the problem for some people. They don't understand how big God is. They don't understand that he, would, that he wants to do it for them. Back in James again, back in James chapter five, he says this. Yeah, go to the next one. Uh, let me find it, hang on. Back in James I'll find it. He said, if you're suffering, pray. If you're sick, pray. The prayer of faith will save the sick person. And then he's, okay, this is it. The, the urgent request of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I want you to catch something this morning. You are righteous. You are, the word of God says, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He's made you Right with him. Righteousness means right. 
it's a hard word. Righteousness means right. It means you're right with God. Because you've been made righteous, the word of God says you can boldly approach the throne of grace. You can boldly come to God and have whatever you ask for. A person who doesn't understand they're right with God will never ask for bold things. A person who doesn't know they're right with God will come and grovel at his feet. They won't boldly approach his throne. See, righteousness lets you come into a place that you, you really, in the natural, you're not able to come, but because you're clothed in his righteousness, you're able to come stand before God and request whatever it is you want because you're clothed in Jesus' righteousness. Listen, it's just like Jesus was standing there in front of God making a request because he's seated at the right hand of God and he's interceding for you. Do you understand that today? He's praying for you. So when you stand down here praying, Jesus is at the right hand of God saying, yep, yep, he's, he's my righteousness. Yep, he's backing you up. You got whatever you want because you're praying in his name. I heard this story years ago about a, a man who was in the Civil War and, and um, some things had happened at home and in his family and he'd lost some siblings and things he, and, and his father died and, and there was no one to take care of his mother and she was very sick and, and he went to his commanding officer and said, I need to go home and explain the situation and the man said, there's no way you're gonna be dismissed. He went to the guy in charge of him. He said, I gotta go home. He said, there's no way you're gonna have that permission. Finally, the man said, if you, the only thing you could possibly do is go all the way to the top and try to get permission, but I'm not giving it to you. I can't give it to you. I don't have that authority. So he went, he got on a train on his day off and went all the way to Washington, D.C., tried to get into the White House, and there was a guard standing at the gate. The guard turned him away. He said, if you try to come back in here again, we're going to lock you up. The man was just distraught. He went and sat down on a bench and just began to cry with his hands in his hands, head in his hands. And a little boy came and sat down next to him. He didn't even realize the boy was there. And the boy tapped on his shoulder and said, sir, what's, what's wrong? And the man just was so overwhelmed. He just began to share his story and said, and said oh, life is just so hard. I need to get home to my mother. I need this and that. And the boy said, maybe I can help you. And he took the soldier by the hand and he walked him up to the gate. The guard didn't even bat an eye when they walked right past him. They walked up to the door and the boy took a hold of the doorknob and walked in and and walked down the hallway. There was all these high-ranking officials there in the hallway. Nobody said a word to him. They walked up to another door, and they walked in, and there sitting at his desk was Abraham Lincoln. And Lincoln looked up and said, yes, son, what can I do for you? And the boy said, Dad, I want you to listen to this man. The man began to explain his story. The president stopped him. He said, no, 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 you don't have to tell me your story. You can have whatever you want because you didn't come here on your own. You came holding the hand of my son, and I give my son whatever he wants. Listen, I want you to understand something today. When you go before God, you're not going on your own. You're going with Jesus and covered in his righteousness. And you can have whatever you ask for. In fact, let's go beyond that and say he's made you a child of God. And he gives his children whatever he wants. So when you go and ask, you can ask in faith, believing that he's going to give you your request. In John chapter 17, I'm going to close with this. John chapter 17, Jesus made a prayer, and he prayed for us. And I find this so powerful. So listen, I want you to understand today, your prayers are powerful. Your prayers are effective. Your prayers do something when you release them. Jesus prayed this prayer, and he said, I, he said in verse 20, I pray not only for these, 
but also for those who believe in me through their message. And he goes on to say, may they be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they be one in us so the world may believe you. I want you to catch something. Who's Jesus praying for? He's praying for you. Do you believe his prayer is still working? How could it still be working? He prayed it 2,000 years ago, but when he released it, he released it on this earth and he gave the Holy Spirit permission to begin to do something that had never been done before, but he gave permission for God to move on earth and make you one with him and make you one with each other. So his prayer, even though it's been 2,000 years, is still working. You can pray something today that will continue to impact the world, that will continue to impact your family beyond your years. You might be at home with the Lord and your prayers are still working because you released it on this earth. Some of you are saved today because you had a grandmother who went on to be with the Lord and maybe never saw it, but you got saved because she was praying for you. And her prayers, God doesn't forget your prayers. When you pray, but listen, this is the prayer of faith. When you pray, you have to believe something's going to happen. You have to believe when you pray, it's done. I prayed it and the Lord is going to do it. But you, you stick with your confession and you stick with your prayer and you don't doubt and you don't back down and God's going to do what he said he would do. Amen. Why don't you stand up with me? We're going to close this morning. Would you just bow your heads and Close your eyes for a minute. Maybe you're here this morning. We've been talking about prayer. Maybe you're watching online today. We've been talking about prayer. And listen, prayer is more than just praying for a need. That's one part of it. I wanted to hit that part today. You know, prayer can be just talking to God. It can be interceding for somebody else. It can be a lot of different things. But maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I've never, I've never really talked to God before because he's not, he's not my Lord. He's not my Savior. I've not given my life to him. If that's you today, you can make your life right with God. Right where you are, maybe you're even watching at home, I want you just to raise your hand if that's you. And I'm gonna pray for you right where you're at. You just say these words, say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me for my sins and make me a new person. I give you my life today, Jesus. It might be the first prayer you ever prayed, but I want you to know that God heard you when you prayed it. And he he honors that. He comes into your heart. You, you, what you've done is you've given him permission to come into your life. And when he comes in, he wants to change you. So you just say, Lord, have your way in me. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, I, I've got a need in my life. I've got a need in my family, a need in whatever you, it is, something in your, it's going on in your world that you're praying about. And you say, I need the Lord to do something today. I want to ask you just to begin to pray about it like you've never prayed before, I want you to pray with faith, believing that when you pray, God's gonna do exactly what you asked for because that's what he says in his word. So when you pray, even if you can't see anything changing, you believe and you stick with your confession and you say, I believe that something has happened because I'm praying in the name of Jesus. And so today, if you're here and you need a healing touch in your body, maybe you've Maybe you prayed about this before. Listen, this prayer today does not negate what you prayed previously. What this prayer does is it continues to confirm that I'm still standing on your word, Lord. I'm still believing your word. 
I'm still praying because I want to see it manifest in my body today. I want to see it manifest in my family today. I want to see it manifest in my whatever it is, my workplace, something that you're praying for. So if you're with me today, you want to pray about a need that you have in your life, I want you just to raise your hand. If you've got something going on, maybe it's in your body. If there's something in your body, just touch that part of your body that you're praying for today. If you're believing for somebody else, you just, you just call their name out. You, you need to do the praying now because it's not my prayers for you. Your prayers are powerful and effective. Every one of you, if you're a believer in Jesus, your prayers are powerful and effective. You say, I don't feel much like, a, like an Elijah. I can't pray like Elijah did. No, you've got a better covenant. Jesus said this. He said, it, among the prophets that have been born, no one was greater than John the Baptist. But he said, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. You're in the kingdom of heaven today. You're in the kingdom of God. Your prayers are powerful and effective. And so this morning, agree with me. Raise your hand right where you're at. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we agree together because we're two on earth agree and are touching anything that's done for them. Lord, we put together our prayer of agreement today for each person here. Lord, we say healing begin to manifest in bodies. We say sickness go today in the name of Jesus. I know there's some in our, in our body who have some sickness today. We rebuke that in the name of Jesus. We command it to go and we thank you, Lord, for health in their bodies right now. Lord, I thank you for peace in homes. I thank you for love in each home today. Lord, we thank you that we are walking in the perfect will of God, the plans of God. All the promises of God to us are yes and amen, and we receive it today in the name of Jesus. Come on, do you believe that you have whatever you asked for in the name of Jesus? Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that our prayers, our prayers do something. Our prayers work. Lord, I thank you today. We're praying for our nation. Lord, we're praying for our world. We're praying against, against the enemy, against sickness, against disease, against all these things. And Lord, we thank you. Your will be done on this earth like it is in heaven. Lord, your will be done in every situation. Your will be done in our lives just like it's done in heaven. We turn ourselves over to you. We say, have your way in us today in the name of Jesus.